RTHK, the news at one with Carol Musgrave. Firefighters investigate the cause of a four-alarm fire that raged for nine hours overnight at a Chimsa Choi high-rise under construction. We look ahead to the two sessions meeting of the country's top political bodies in Beijing, where issues ranging from poverty alleviation to faster visas for Hong Kongers may be discussed. And the U.S. Justice Department says President Trump shouldn't be immune from prosecution relating to the attack on the U.S. Capitol two years ago. Firefighters are investigating the cause of a construction site fire that raged for more than nine hours overnight in Chimsa Choi. No one was injured in the blaze. Authorities say they'll be inspecting the site on Middle Road to see whether there's any risk that scaffolding surrounding the building could collapse. Cecil Wong reports. Multiple floors of the building, to house the new Mariners Club and a hotel, were on fire by the time firefighters arrived late last night. Strong winds blew fiery debris onto five surrounding buildings, setting off two smaller blazes in the process that were quickly put out. But firefighters faced challenging conditions in tackling the blaze. A lack of fire safety facilities at the under-construction building meant they had to lug heavy equipment up the 48-story building, and the windy and dry conditions meant the fire was threatening to spread further. 170 nearby residents were evacuated as a precaution, but no one was directly hurt in the fire, though two people nearby who suffered a shock from the alarming scenes sought treatment at hospital. Some 250 firefighters managed to put out the blaze by 8.30 in the morning. However, nearby roads had to be cordoned off, causing some bus routes to be diverted. Mr. Budrani lives near the site of the fire and told RTHK he spent the whole night on the street as his building was evacuated as a precaution. When I was in the MTR trying to come back home, you could smell something burning and they wouldn't let us up from any MTR exit. I had to go back the way I came and then I saw this whole thing on fire. It was very, very bad. I think this is probably the worst fire in Hong Kong and it's the worst fire I've seen in my whole life. Deputy Chief Fire Officer Kung Sai Ming says multiple factors made battling the blaze an uphill battle from the start. When we arrived at scenes, there's already a fire occurred at multi-floor of the construction sites. And because the site is under construction, there's no fire service installation in commission in the building. Except we have only some temporary ducting for us to convey water to tackle the blaze in the upper floors. Also, there's a large amount of construction material, including wooden plants and some uh, steel material that block and hamper our way forward into the heart of the fire scenes. Our reporter Vanessa Cheng is right outside the building on Middle Road and sent this update a short while ago. The fire has pretty much been out since 8.30 this morning, but there are still a couple dozen residents of nearby buildings who haven't been allowed to go home yet. Some areas around the Middle Road high-rise are still cordoned off. Some construction workers have been asking police when they can go back in, but haven't had any answer yet. Parts of Navin Road, Middle Road and Midden Avenue and several MTR exits are still closed. And authorities are going to inspect the building to make sure there's no risk that the scaffolding might collapse. Two other news now and a top expert from a Beijing think tank says more needs to be done in the upcoming two sessions to address the plight of the underprivileged. Einar Tanjan's comments come as delegates from across the country come together this weekend to discuss the nation's plans in the annual plenary meetings of the National People's Congress and Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. Kelly Yu reports from Beijing. 
The gatherings of the country's top political bodies, which will open on March the 4th, is expected to see major reshuffles in the country's government posts, including premiers, vice premiers, and market regulators. Taihe Institute's senior fellow and chairman of Asia Narratives, Aina Tenjin, said the new lineup represents a generational change. A lot of these people,、uh, a, they speak foreign languages, but they're very much in the advanced technology, and so they'll bring a, a different perspective, which, you know, quite frankly, China needs. Mr. Tenjin said one of the things people will be keeping a close eye on is what those attending the two sessions will indicate they will do to make up for lost time after three years of stringent COVID measures, as well as how. Authorities will improve welfare for rural workers. NPC delegate Rock Chen, who's heading up to Beijing for the annual session, says he's planning to ask the authorities to expedite the issuance of home return permits for Hong Kongers facing months-long waits to renew their travel documents. Recently, I've received quite many requests for assistance from people who are applying for mainland travel permits. People need to wait for a long time now, until May, that is, because a large number of people need to go to the mainland for various reasons. After the border was mostly closed for three years, I'll tell mainland departments about the situation and hope both mainland and Hong Kong authorities will think of ways to expedite the application process. The head of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organisation says the government should have given schools a bit more warning before abruptly scrapping the mask mandate two days ago. Mervyn Cheng told RTHK's Backchat programme that many schools were given next to no time to make the necessary arrangements. The whole thing was announced just one day before the new policy became、uh, effective. Given less than one working day to make the、uh, necessary adjustment or even preparations,、um, schools might find it、uh, find the whole thing a little bit too hasty. So schools might might be caught、uh, unprepared, especially if they stage、uh, at the same time large scale extracurricular activ-、uh, activities on the first day or the mask lifting. Mr. Cheng says many students are still electing to keep their masks on for now, even though they don't have to, and this is understandable given how long they've had to mask up during the pandemic. The Clock and Clap Clap Music and Arts Festival gets underway this afternoon at the Central Harbour Front, with around 100 live acts set to perform through the weekend. The festival is returning after a four-year hiatus, featuring big names including the Cardigans, Arctic Monkeys, and Wu Tang Clan. The festival's co-founder Justin Sweeting spoke to RTHK. We kind of purposely waited for our return until we. We're really convinced and assured that we could put on the kind of experience that we thought was important for Clock and Flap. So, you know, we, we could have come back at various points during the pandemic, but we really wanted to ensure that you know you could have freestanding, free movement of people, F and B, all, all, all these things that make it fun, essentially. So, you know, that the time became right for all, all, all those stars to align, and so we, we kind of jumped at the chance to do it. The U.S. Justice Department has told a federal appeals court that the former president Donald Trump should not be immune from prosecution over civil lawsuits relating to the attack on the U.S. Capitol two years ago. The BBC's David Willits reports. The U.S. Justice Department has determined that whilst an American president might enjoy considerable latitude when it comes to making remarks that some might deem controversial, such a loophole does not extend to the incitement of violence. 
Two police officers and nearly a dozen Democratic lawmakers have been seeking to make Mr. Trump personally liable for injuries, physical and psychological, suffered on the day of the insurrection. A spokesman for Mr. Trump urged the courts to rule in short order and dismiss what he called frivolous lawsuits. The U.S. Secretary of State has told Russia's foreign minister that Washington is prepared to support Ukraine to defend itself for as long as necessary. Antony Blinken and Sergei Lavrov met briefly on the sidelines of the G20 summit in India, which ended without a final statement due to disagreements over Russia's attack. Mr. Blinken's spokesman Ned Price said he had let Russia know Washington backed Ukraine's proposal for peace to end what he called Moscow's brutal aggression. Countries around the world have stood up for the UN Charter. Ukraine has put forward a proposal uh, for a just and durable peace to this. Secretary Blinken wanted to convey to Foreign Minister Lavrov very directly, very clearly, that we're going to continue to support Ukraine. We are ready, willing to support any diplomatic initiative uh, that Ukraine sees fit to bring about that just and durable conclusion. The Cambodian opposition leader, Kem Sokha, has been banned from politics and sentenced to 27 years in detention for treason. Kem Sokha was once considered the main challenger to the long-term Prime Minister Hun Sen. He was accused of colluding with foreign governments and his Cambodia National Rescue Party was dissolved in 2017. Kem Sokha has always denied the charges. The number of people confirmed dead in Tuesday's train crash in Greece has risen to 57. Coroners have been using DNA samples to identify the victims. Rail workers across Greece held a one-day strike, insisting they'd repeatedly warned about decades of lax standards and underinvestment. More than 2,000 people protested for a second day in Athens. The newly appointed Transport Minister, Yorgos Sierra Patitas, told reporters the investigation would be comprehensive. The investigation into the cause will take place in a way that will be transparent and it will be absolutely thorough. This is the order of the Prime Minister. For this reason, today an ad hoc committee of experts will be set up to study the systemic causes that led to the tragedy we're living through and lack of action that existed over time, if any. The head of Britain's domestic intelligence service, Ken McCallum, has made an unprecedented public apology for MI5's failure to prevent a terrorist attack in Manchester in 2017. An official report found that the suicide attack that killed 22 people might have been avoided if intelligence officers had acted more promptly on information they received. Having examined all the evidence, the chair of the inquiry has found that there was a realistic possibility that actionable intelligence could have been obtained which might have led to actions preventing the attack. Gathering covert intelligence is difficult, but had we managed to seize the slim chance we had, those impacted might not have experienced such appalling loss and trauma. I am profoundly sorry that MI5 did not prevent the attack. A prominent lawyer in the United States has been found guilty of killing his wife and son at their mansion. Alex Murdoch showed little emotion as he was convicted of shooting the pair at their family property in South Carolina. Prosecutors said he wanted to distract attention from his theft of millions of dollars from clients, which he used to fund an expensive drug habit. South Carolina's Attorney General Alan Wilson gave this reaction following the verdict. Today's verdict proves that no one no one, no matter who you are in society, is above the law. And our criminal justice system worked tonight. It gave a voice to Maggie and Paul Murdoch, who were brutally 
mowed down and murdered on the night of June 7, 2021 by someone that they loved and someone that they trusted. The Scottish Government has become the first in the world to ban an anaesthetic gas named desflurane from hospitals because of its contribution to global warming. Details from the BBC's Smita Mundasad. Over the last decade, desflurane gas has been used widely in hospitals across the UK to help keep people unconscious during operations. But there's growing recognition that it can be harmful to the environment and many British hospitals have already decided to phase it out. Different anaesthetics are being used as alternatives. In Scotland, experts say eliminating the gas entirely from its peak use in 2017 will save emissions equivalent to powering 1,700 homes a year. A similar ban is coming in in England next year. Sport now and the Formula One season gets underway later today with first practice of the Bahrain Grand Prix ahead of Sunday's race. Britain's seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton says the struggles of last season puts him in a better place this time round. I would say a lot more relaxed, a lot more, even after like the three days, just knowing that we're not in necessarily a fighting, uh, fighting for pole and fight for win position just yet. After a difficult year last year, I feel we're best prepared for whatever's thrown at us this year, good or bad. So I know who to go to in my team. I know how to deal with, with the struggle and through it and through hard work, we will get there. To football and Barcelona have beaten Real Madrid 1-0 in the first leg of their semi-final at the Copa del Rey. An own goal was the difference as Barca now holds a narrow advantage ahead of the second leg at Camp Nou on April the 5th. One of the greatest jazz, jazz saxophonists, Wayne Shorter, has died in Los Angeles. He was 89. The BBC's David Silito looks back at his life. In Weather Report, Wayne Shorter's soaring tenor saxophone was part of the magic that turned the jazz fusion band into a mainstream chart success. Born in New Jersey, he was part of three of jazz's most celebrated combos. Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, Miles Davis's mid-60s quintet with Herbie Hancock, and in 1970, Weather Report. He also helped bring jazz into rock. Recording with Steely Dan, Carlos Santana, and here... Johnny Mitchell, who considered him a poetic kindred spirit. 11 Grammys, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Wayne Shorter was jazz royalty. Finally, a look at the weather. Fine and dry with moderate to fresh easterly winds, occasionally strong offshore. Right now, it's 21 degrees at the observatory and the relative humidity is at 43%. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3.
back on Radio 3 with a dead weight it's the brew for a Friday afternoon Marshy back with me next week Friday means sports and all with Danny Hicks F1 is about to go bananas so that's pretty much what he's going to be talking about today if you would like to join in I know there's some serious petrol heads listening to Danny find us on the brews Facebook page in about five minutes from now First time we went out, you said you never settled down without a doubt. You said your ex still comes around. I found the things around your house. What's that about? Don't take a genius, yeah, I see it. Even my friends say that I'm with you. A million reasons should be leaving. I need more hands to count all the issues. But I keep on running through these red flags. 